Right, okay, this is uh, episode 37. Okay, now I'm flying through these, aren't we? Um, so, as usual, we have got Pete Fletcher on. How are you doing, Pete? You all right today, man? Now then, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> doing well, man. Good stuff, good stuff. So, yeah, any, I thought it'd be interesting today, anyway, or tonight, rather, to talk about some of the... I've alluded to quite a lot, actually. And I think, I don't know, I can't remember whether I've spoke specifically about it in YouTube videos. I think it's something else that I skimmed across, really. And that's talking about kind of the the circumstances uh, leading up to and including sort of writing and, and recording the second album, really. And a lot of that is, towards the second half anyway, I think, if this goes to plan, is going to be uh, sort of w- with the aid of photographs, which we'll put in the um, in the show notes like we did when uh, Jenny Jordan were on. We'll do that and so you can see him as well. Uh, and we'll try and talk about him in some sort of way that you can understand. But that might not happen. You know, you know the score. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, as I say, it is something, and I do apologise, Pete, because this might be, just be a lot of me talking and feel free to attempt to cut in. Um, just make sure I can actually see you there. But yeah, like I say, this is something that I've spoke about quite a bit and alluded to and probably always had a funny look on my face whenever I did, if I did it in a video. Um, And yeah, like I say, that's kind of the circumstances surrounding second record. And I did think about, you know, how how we did the, we had all the lads on from the band talking about the first record and listening back to it. Although we didn't really talk specifically about the process of making it. Uh, And I did think about saving this sort of thing to talk about with the rest of the lads but you know yep. i think there's a there's an element of uh certainly you know just wanting to well because i think one thing that's dawned on me as well is just how different our four experiences were being in this band you know what i mean uh, even though we sort of shared them together ultimately how yeah. different they were and i think that's kind of led me to always want to stress the fact that i'm only ever you know talking from my perspective but yeah um so yeah, I guess the simplest way of looking at it at the start is the age-old syndrome of um, second record syndrome, to be fair, um, which basically in our case was very much rooted in the fact that, you know, as, as you know, Pete, our first record had a lot of reach and, um, you know, lots of, it, it did well globally and... Oh yeah. Because of that, we, you know, one thing when you, when you, well, how do you put it really? When you're hot, you've got to kind of go where people want you. And that's why we toured that first record for, for about three years, probably. We, you know, we, we toured that for a a long time, that record. And so, yeah, the upshot of that really, in our case specifically, I think was, you know, lots of bands, um, well, it depends how you write. Do you know what I mean? If you are, if you are a band that is driven by one person sat there with a guitar and and then it all comes together afterwards, you've got more of a chance really. But because we had such a, you know, a natural organic way of writing and we kind of really had to be, well, what I would describe personally as comfortable or I did anyway, certainly to be able to do anything really creative. I had to be, as anyone could imagine, really, you know, had to be in the right headspace to want to do it. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which... Yeah, you got to set an environment. I'm sure you know things yeah. have to. You have to set an, a whole thing just to actually feel like you can really be creative. Yeah, exactly. And so when you're touring and in airports and planes, buses, and playing gigs, there's never that opportunity. Not there wasn't for us. Um, and you know you got sound checks, but they're never long enough, and you're always too busy sorting out technical things. And again, sound checks aren't necessarily somewhere where I feel. Um, don't get me wrong, you can get a good vibe going, but you're never going to be able to write records like that. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, you can get bits that you can go away and work on. Uh, and we tried it, I think we tried it in Toronto, Warwick. Um, I think we tried specifically on a day off, hiring like a you know, rehearsal studio and setting everything up and trying to write. And God, uh, yeah. It <laughs> D- was, didn't work? <laughs> no, it was just a fucking waste of time. Um <laughs> Because again, that was at a time when we were three days here and then bloody driving here or flying there. You know, it was absolutely crazy for us, those three years touring it. Um, Not only all the stuff in the UK, all the stuff in America and Japan and Australia. And sometimes on one trip, you'd go to all bloody three of them. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know, you know, people wonder why people who are in this kind of lifestyle get, well, is it any wonder that people in this lifestyle get into a state? Do you know what I mean? I mean, especially at a young age. Not known. I mean, any fucking time, do you know what I mean? You, you've got to, I think you've got to have certain life skills to be able to 
to live like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, because it's it's so mentally exhausting. Well, it, again, it is it is, and it was for someone like me who, at the end of the day, was just desperate to be at home all the time. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. Oh yeah. Very much one of those <laughs> sorts of people. So anyway, yeah, with that little bit of context, you know, as I've said earlier again about how our second record, you know, the first record was A&R'd um, by Dave Boyd at Hook by the UK label effectively and the American label kind of, you know, we went over and we made the video in America, which was um, their hand in that record. But then obviously the second record, which I spoke about there, they had a much stronger hand in, and obviously Dave Boyd alluded to it, didn't he? When he actually came on our podcast, he sort of reaffirmed that. So um, this is, and that's what I mean when you know this is something that we've we've skimmed across. So yeah, the real kicker in this war, we'd spent all this time in America, and you know we were just we just got back off some six week or six or eight weeks, some nuts tour with someone. Do you know what I mean? Or it might have even been our own. I can't remember specifically, but. It was a case of getting back home. And this was the thing that always pissed me off about the industry or sort of like our lives or my life or the job or whatever you want to call it is like, and I know it, I'm sure it happens in another line of work. Uh, I'm, I'm sure in a broad sense, it's just life really. But you know, like you get a phone call and the future changes, do you know what I mean? Like in a big <laughs> yeah. way. Now, nine times out of 10, that is in a really positive way. But you know, that were a case of, I can't remember whether they actually came up or went through a phone call, but I definitely remember being at Soundworks and being at Soundworks downstairs and being really upset and like kicking off with myself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> we'd basically been told that we, I think, I keep wanting to say we had like a week back before we went out, but I don't think, I think it were, you won't very, I can't, well, I can't remember specifically, but we basically got told that, oh, hey, you know, you've just been doing all that touring and, You've just got back and you're starting to relax and stuff. Well, they want you to go start recording the album, you know, like in a week's time or whatever. And like, it's funny, I don't get the context because, like, for me, like, that seems amazing. I, like, I feel like oh, if somebody called me and said, Hey, you know what? I know we've been paying you all this money to travel the world and to do all these gigs, yeah. and, and now you're home, but now you, we want you to fly to England and record a second album. I would be like, Woohoo! Well, let me try and put it into some more context then because. I think the feeling I had around that time and even maybe when since the band started really you know we never knew what we were doing as we've discussed but like that three years when we toured that record like that kind of felt like um to me anyway holding your breath it kind of felt like I was holding my breath for three Hmm. years until I had a chance to breathe because I was just it constantly um in a situation and an environment that caused me enormous stress do you know what I mean? Mm, and that, okay. uh, that's, uh, and that it all is just facets of my personality. Um, you know, my condition or whatever, when you, uh, you, if you want to look at it like that, but ultimately facets of my personality, you know, I couldn't help the fact that all I ever wanted to be is at home, like just doing things kind of, I don't know, man, it's a weird, it's a really strange thing to explain, but I, for, for one, I don't like traveling. Do you know what I mean? I don't like traveling. I don't like being away yeah. from home. Um, and, I'd done all that for three years to a huge degree. And, you know, and again, I've got nothing against America. It was just a case of that's where we'd just been for God knows how long. And I wanted to be home and spend some time with, um, you know, at home with my girlfriend and just do the stuff that would make me eventually go, oh, I've got some great ideas. Do you know what I mean? Creatively, because that's that's kind of what I was referring to early on is it's incredibly difficult to get into that mindset. And people would be like, well, you know, you had two weeks or three weeks at home there. And it's like, yeah. And at the end of the third week, I started to feel like in another two weeks, I might actually be normal again, but... Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, like, you know, I've I've had countless, I don't even know how you describe it, I'm sure all of us have, uh, but again, speaking from my own point of view, countless periods over that three years, like, I don't know whether you call them breakdowns, really. I guess you probably would, really. Uh, yeah, I can remember three of them. Uh, one really bad one in Japan, which, bless her, little Shiharu, lovely woman. Um, she didn't know what to do with herself, but do you know what I mean? It's just... It's like I say, it's like fucking holding your breath, man. And there's no matter how much, well, I guess I wasn't blessed with the perspective at the time. And thinking back to it, I think, well, I kind of have the perspective now, but I, I still remember that and kind of shudder. Do you know what I mean? And it's all, it all 
just obviously rooted in mental exhaustion and stress and undiagnosed and untreated mental conditions and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And that, and that, that was the other thing about kind of when I got diagnosed or whatever, um, it were a bit like, shit, man, I've done really well. Do you know what I mean? I, mm. how, how old were I? 27, I think, when I kind of got, I went to actually see a professional, do you know what I mean? And I just kind of thought, well, you know what I mean? Fucking, I've not done bad considering the industry I've been in and the opportunities I've had to do X, Y, and Z to myself. And I'm still here and I'm all right. And, you know, I've made the right decisions, thank fuck. But ultimately it was paying the price of, like I said, just feeling like you're holding your breath. And when you're holding your breath, you're in survival mode. Do you know what I mean? And you ain't got no fucking time for anyone else's anything, bullshit or concern. Do you know what I mean? You just don't. And that's and that's kind of what took over me, I suppose, was that that snarling. Do you think I've got any time for anything that comes out of your mouth? And this that, yeah. that, that kind of applied to anyone on the planet at the time. It was like, you know, I've got so much stuff going on in my own head. I just, I don't have time to even consider what you're saying as being relevant to me and obviously that sort of that sort of behavior or attitude is going to cost you relationships in it um but you know that was that's not a switch do you know what i mean that's not something you can turn on and off everyone has like a, a level of how much fucking shit you can swallow before it starts pouring out your eyeballs do you know what i mean oh, yeah. we're all built differently and there are certainly many people that can hear what you're saying and say, oh, that's me. There's a lot of people that relate to that because yeah. there are people that want to socialize and that's how they get energized. There are other people where that's a complete drain. There are people that have massive anxiety when there's large groups. There's all different types, you know, and that's what makes the world go round. But it's not fair to you. You you were doing no self-care. Like you literally were doing the thing that put you in the worst spot yeah. and you were doing it for the good of, the, you know, the band and everything else because you felt like you had to. But at the, me at the end, the victim of all that was essentially your own peace of mind. So yeah. I can imagine doing that for so long and then finally coming home and saying, oh, finally self-care and then just being rooted out of that again yeah. must have been pretty painful. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it was, and it was again, like you say, when we got the news, and especially like I say, from my perspective, when I got the news, it was very much a case of, oh shit, well, I need to hold my breath harder and better. Do you know what I mean? Because this is going to be tough. So, and like you say, Pete, any, you know, you'd think you'd be like, oh, awesome, man, we're off out to a studio in Atlanta. You know what I mean? It's going to be fucking amazing altogether. It's going to be a blast. And, you know, let me cut in early and say it was, it was in, in, a, in a, like, you know, a lot of ways. But, you know, it came again, it came at a, a what, especially now, man, fucking hell. Well, it came at a ridiculously high cost. And I'd love to speak probably frankly to the other boys about this as well. Um, and I think there'd probably be similar stories, really. But certainly that period for me, and, and you know, talking to breakdowns, I remember holding it together enough to get out there. And then once we actually got out there, we kind of got to the hotel and fucking hell. I mean, like, you know, I'm not doing anywhere a disservice to say that the area, well, the hotel was a shithole for a start, <laughs> but the area in general was, you know, deprived. Shall we? It wasn't a great area. And, yeah, the studio was kind of like, well, you'd only describe it as like a business estate, really. Lots of big skyscraping office buildings and then this sort of studio next to like a freeway and then the sort of petrol station with a load of crackheads sat outside and, you know, that sort of vibe. But I, I remember getting to that hotel and the thing that really fucking stung was, I got into this hotel room and you're looking around this fucking place and you're like, I have got 11 weeks of this. Or were it nine? Oh, man. <laughs> were, it, were it nine or 10 or 11? I mean, let's face it, those two or three weeks don't make a fucking blind bit of difference ultimately. But I remember getting in there and thinking, this is me for quite a long time. <laughs> and again, it's probably interesting. Probably Welcome to, to the South. Yeah. Again, it's probably interesting to preface it with, I guess, one of the big things to say is actually being in studio with the lads and in that studio building and on that studio complex all of that time was fucking brilliant uh, you know i'll really sort of preface all this by saying that and that's what's so fucking cruel do you know what i mean because what do you do do you sit there and go well, all right well i'll go with that personality that feels that way about things and that's struggling beyond belief or do you let the one that's having fun in a i'd say stable way i mean you know let's not be around the bush wherever i've ever been especially back then I was just like I need shitloads of weed and you need to be able to provide me with a link for it and luckily you know obviously being a music studio so that were all sorted anyway do you know what I mean so I were fine on that front I had that lifeline and that's not again spoke about it frankly enough many times that that's always been my lifeline as long as I've got that I you know I I, I always have like a, a really strong chance of 
I, like I keep saying, keeping myself what I'd refer to as stable. Do you know what I mean? But so the time in the studio was amazing, but it was that off time when we weren't in the studio. And I suppose we were in the studio majority of the time. And I'm trying to remember now whether we worked Saturdays and only had Sundays off. I think we had Saturday and Sunday off. I think we did every day, really long days, because um, obviously Brendan, who was producing it, who we'll talk about a bit as well, um, you know, he had family. Well, everyone had family, but ultimately, you know, Brendan is not there or whatever on the weekends. Um, maybe we did do stuff on Saturdays. I can't quite remember. But anyway, the point being that the, the off time in that hotel was fucking hell. And, it, and it, you know, I'm not being funny, but I didn't really feel safe there in Atlanta it, it, it specifically where we were sort of safe enough to be like well I'm just gonna fucking go for a walk and see what I find man and that's why I was reminiscing quite fondly about Japan because you could do that you could wake up with jet lag at, well I say wake up you could fucking be awake at four in the morning and go fuck this shit I'm off for a walk see what mad shit I can find at four in the morning and not feel any <laughs> sense of is this safe whereas um now you don't do that in ATL <laughs> well that's kind of the vibe we got so I mean and this was the other thing as well is we kind of made efforts like on weekends sometimes to do stuff. Like I can remember me and Phil went to go see Dawn of the, was it Dawn of the Dead? The one with Ving Rhames in it. I think it was the remake of Dawn, Dawn of the, of the Dead. Dead. That was real old. Yeah. Um, we went to see that at the cinema. We did a couple of things, but you know, we didn't really do a lot together anyway in the downtime. But again, you know, when you think about it, you're together all day in the studio. But those, I remember those weekends being like, surreal because a lot of the time it'd just be like two days in your room by yourself you know what i mean with your own madness for company and you're just like oh hello again <laughs> you know what i mean misery loves fucking company doesn't it especially when you imagine it jesus christ um and i was in south florida man you could have just called me i would have come up <laughs> well this is what i mean i suppose that and it'll probably ring true for a lot of people and there's something ridiculous about what i said earlier really in the sense that you know, when I said, well, which which one am I giving into here? Am I going to be happy about that or am I going to be sad about that? But I get, the whole point is that you do it all fucking at once, don't you? You do it all at mm -hmm. once and you selectively decide who you're going to show what to. Um, and I guess ultimately the, the process in the studio and everything like that were, well, I don't know, I suppose it was our, certainly my element, you know, I felt at home in that environment, didn't really feel at home, sat in my hotel room all day. I don't know, it was so fucking isolating that entire time. And I don't necessarily mean from us four, but bear in mind, we just spent God knows how long in each other's pockets. Do you know what I mean? It, it, mm -hmm. You can't necessarily go, well, you had your best mates there for company. Yeah, but they all had this, they all had shit too, man. And that's the point. It's not like behind the scenes at every point, everyone sat there linked in arms. Do you know what I mean? It, it, would, it was, a, it, in reality, that was a really tough time. And I know Rob said enough, alluded to enough that that specifically was a really tough time for him as well. Do you know, just, like I say, it was just really isolating. Um, and, you know, like we, weird shit happened. Do you know what I mean? Like at the time I left, we had two dogs, uh, Tiff and Teal. Tiff was significantly older than Teal. But yeah, I remember... I remember sort of feeling like I did, which wasn't great, to be honest. wasn't really holding it together very well. And then getting a phone call from my dad, who, as soon as I picked up the phone, I could instantly tell something was seriously wrong. And, um, you know, the uh, Teal had died, but Teal was the younger dog. Teal was about six. And Tiff, mm. Tiff was, like, quite old. I can't remember how old she was, but Tiff was at an age where if my dad rung and said, Tiff sadly died. I'd be like, okay, right. I kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, that makes sense. And I remember he said, Teal's died. And I was like, do you mean Tiff? Mm. And he sort of said, no. And I was just like, what the f And I remember actually standing at the side of the fucking freeway, literally like bawling, like absolute. Mm. I completely lost it because I, I was walking down to the studio when he rang me. Um, it's quite upsetting to relive actually because I've not thought about that for a very long time. But. Yeah, hmm. I, um, I was walking down the studio when he rang me and like I say it was next to a fucking freeway motorway whatever you want to say and I literally kind of just froze there for I can't remember how long I stayed there but I didn't want to kind of obviously go into the studio in that state and anyone who knows me knows what I'm like about animals yeah I know you're a I know you got a big heart for animals for sure yeah shit and, and do you know what I mean like like that on top of everything else we're just like oh god but you know you have those moments don't you where you're like well this is what life is isn't it 
This is what life is, you know. And so you had to go into the studio and record. Yeah, 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 yeah. With that on your head, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, again, like I have to say, how I am about animals to give it context because there's some cold motherfuckers out there, man. Do you know what I mean? Who will kind of listen to something like that and be like, "Well, but you know, I ain't got no fucking time for that." And like I say, anyone that knows me knows I ain't got no time for that. I don't mind people who secretly think to themselves well okay get some fucking perspective mate but they're outwardly like i'm really sorry for your loss that's fine i can take that but you know then people kind of go out the way to be like it's an animal it's like yeah it was more important to me than uh you so yeah exactly. <laughs> but anyway anyway let's not get too far down the alley that. but yeah um so obviously that just compounded to the lonely feeling and then like you say you kind of got to walk in there and you know do what you're there to do and that's that's why you know as someone who just craves being at home all the time you know like that it was just it was just hell mm, in yeah, that I sense imagine. It, in that sense it was hell but like i said earlier actually being in there and again like i said about that first night getting there actually getting there and seeing the reality of the hotel room oh that's where i kind of veered off didn't I? and then anyway we went out for dinner that night all of us the, the first night we were there and i can't remember exactly what i said to tony because tony came with us but we all kind of sat in this awful fucking restaurant if you could call it that i don't fucking know we all kind of sat, sat there and I, I can't remember if i just turned out to tony and sort of said so we're going to be here for the next few months and was it a cracker bowl you remember oh, what kind of restaurant it was i can't remember <laughs> but i just remember fucking i literally just i can't remember what i screamed but i screamed something at the table i think i just screamed fuck really loud at the table really long <laughs> and really in, insanely and i just thought right okay that's me i've made my point now i can just go back into myself and and it, like i say i hold my breath because that's what it felt like doing other than the good parts which we'll get to now do you know what i mean um and a lot of the circumstances surrounding it you know the, the pressure of having such a big first record the pressure of following that up like we spoke about the the myriad of people who are involved who are like come on let's you know let's get the next bit and you know having to do that in an environment and well you know we'd 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 scrape together some great ideas but they weren't fully developed but anyway that's that's the context in which we went out there anyway um just having got back from effectively touring the world bloody three times doing first album and getting to that point of being like who the fuck even am i anymore who are any of us are these are we even here do you know what i mean like when you played long road like for the 200th time or something like don't get me wrong well there's always that there's, there's always that bit inside you that's like fucking hell man like what are you and you're like oh shit don't question that for too long do you know what i mean like and that's my that's <laughs> my problem really and I, I know that a lot of people will probably giggle at that and think oh yeah mine too is like it's having the it's having the time to question shit and like being away from all the stuff that you really love and being isolated, you know, that that's a time where you're going to start questioning stuff and come into some weird conclusions. Um, you know, such a, such a double-edged sword, man, all that. But yeah, let's switch it round to a more positive vibe now. Um, and as I say, we have got some photographs uh, taken by the wonderful mm-hmm. Victoria Smith, um, who has actually got an Instagram. Is it Victoria Smith photo? I can't tell. We will link it in the show notes anyway because all these pictures are uh, she is responsible for. Um, and yeah, big shout out to her, to Victoria. Actually, you know, she took pictures of us uh, quite a few times, and she were always invisible. Like, and that's a great photographer. Do you know what I mean? When mm, they are just yeah. invisible and you are just having a laugh and every now and again, like just, just all stand over there roughly. And, you know, like they just, one of those photographers where she could just, um, you know, get the kind of shots that you'll see. And not all of them are gems. Some of them are just funny. Some of them are just cost of funny. Um, and really, I think they really invoke the what <laughs> making a record is about majority of the time. And I'm not on that note. Let's go to the first photograph which is one that makes me giggle immensely. I mean, some people might be like, why? But just that look on Phil and Rob's face, like, (laughs) you know, once you've done all your live bits as a band and you start, when you're making a record and you start getting to the process of kind of doing all the individual bits, which you primarily, you know, you you do a bit more, uh, a few different bass things, if there's effects and that, but predominantly it's vocals and guitars. So that's just, you know, a lot of time to kill when it's not your turn effectively you kind of sat there twiddling your thumbs or you know you're 
learn a new skill or take it upon yourself to do whatever. Um, See, I thought it was something totally different when I saw that picture. I imagined, because I guess because I knew the context of being in the studio, it sounded to me like they were listening to something and trying to figure out, is this what we want to do? Where should we go with this? Like, there, it mean, seemed like there was this level of like, uh, they were listening to the same thing, but maybe might, it's not. <laughs> you might be right, but from what I know of these two lads, certainly looking <laughs> at Rob there, Rob looks about as interested as, I don't know, and Phil, I mean, you know, like I said, after a while, everyone's mind wanders, doesn't it? And you're like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. But, you know, um, like, like it would be keepy uppies for us or table football or something like that. Um, like making first EPs, we hammered table football. And there's another picture in here, actually. I'm just going to bounce about this. I don't know if we'll be able to do it in order. It doesn't matter anyway. Uh, the picture of me playing basketball, I really like that one. That's a really cool shot. And... Um, that's effectively what I did a lot of the time when I want sort of recording or doing bits. Um, we're playing basketball, just absolute fucking shitloads. Just stood out there playing basketball. <laughs> or we actually got really into wiffle ball and bless. I don't think I've actually got any pictures of that. But yeah, Nick Dedea, who was the engineer actually. And that one thing to say, uh, that I suppose like really shift into a positive note that, you know, it will be severely remiss of me not to point out how much fucking fun we had making that record, really. Um, you know, like everyone who was involved in it, um, Billy Bowers, let's see if I can remember everyone's name, Billy Bowers and uh, Nick Dedea, Brendan O'Brien, and we've got, oh, there's more. Phil Martin, I'm sure. Phil, I'm sure it's Phil Martin, Beaks and Feet, old Beaks and Feet. Who else have we got? There's more. Um, there's a few. Oh, I've done pretty well there anyway, but such a fucking great bunch of guys. Honestly, it's such a laugh. And like they introduced us. Did they introduce us to Halo multiplayer? Because they were just hammering Halo multiplayer, them guys. And like, um, it, it, they'd have it in different rooms as well. And it was all connected. So we could literally all play each other. And that was one of funniest things honestly absolute riot that just fucking running around blowing each other's heads off with shotguns on halo <laughs> like you should be recording but i do have to say one of my fondest memories of recording that album was the food oh my god on the food and the starbucks runs that were just like honestly that what did i even used to get yeah i was gonna say what food did you get what in atlanta because i'm i don't think there's it's not like they're known for a specific cuisine oh, I fucking yeah. i don't give a damn what cuisine it what worry i had like um a steak salad and, and this is where every day i used to have the same thing man uh, i don't know where it came from some ordering shit i don't know but i used to have like a, a steak salad and chili cheese fries and like honestly <laughs> i'm surprised i didn't like put on loads away i'll tell you why i didn't put on loads away it sat there worrying to myself honestly stress and worry eats weight faster than any exercise and i'm living proof of that with what i eat jesus anyway uh yeah steaks at the steaks i can taste it now man that fucking steak salad it were unbelievable and add this sauce on it as well i got that every day and these like i say these proper chili cheese fries not this half ass shit you get over here proper chili cheese <laughs> unbelievable and then I'm, I'm not being funny but uh, well sure a lot of people I, I will identify with this they're the sort of things that keep you going every day like right what we got we got the starbucks early run well we got breakfast first and then we've got the starbucks run i cannot wait for that fucking starbucks run and then brownies jesus <laughs> christ and then you're like thinking about then the starbucks turns up you're like oh my god and you don't realize how addicted you are to this shit do you know what i mean and that was another oh, yeah. thing like i had a really bad habit at that time where every joint i had i used to have a kind of pop but like at that time that meant i were having like fucking god knows how many cans of pots of soda. fucking hell yeah they were just <laughs> everywhere and that were at a time where like i would i was being sick every morning do you know what i mean like quite a lot and to be fair a lot of that will have been stress but yeah it were a bit, and it kind of halfway through recording the album i was like well hang on I have about 20 cans of pop a day, a fucking steak salad and chili cheese fries every day, <laughs> fucking three venti lattes or whatever the fuck they call, fucking three of them massive brownies a day. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you know I what I mean? What's wrong? Yeah, no wonder, man. But that's the problem in it. And that's the vicious downward spiral of that sort of stuff is it, it's a vicious, it's, it's that catch 22 vicious circle of I'm going to have this because it makes me feel better, but ultimately it's going to make shit worse. And it's like, yeah, well, welcome to, mm -hmm. welcome to fucking welcome to existence. Do you know what I mean? That's <laughs> it's just something you realize in it. It's like fucking stacking thing after thing on top of yourself and going, oh, fucking hell, I wonder when I'll break. Do you know, maybe I won't. I'll tell you what, we'll have fucking fun finding out, won't we? Let's go. <laughs>
Uh, well, well, uh, um, well, we were looking at pictures. And oh, the yeah, next one on my list is uh, there's a picture of you. We'll call it number two. But there's a picture of you standing in um, in front of a keyboard. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so did you do any keyboard work during this album? Yeah, I, I, man. Yeah, I yeah. I know yeah. that you did. Yeah, man. Did quite a few keyboard bits on this record and the first and shitloads on the third. And that actually, coincidentally, and I've only just realized, uh, that's a call writing and it won't have been my exact one. But that'll have been why... I bought a Cog Triton. I bet you were tenor. I'll have, come, I'll have played, the, played mm. around with that and found a sound that I liked. I'll have, in fact, did I find fucking strength? Well, I did strengthen that. The, the sequencer that ultimately formed, you know, the main sequencer, yeah. that, that is on that Cog. So I'm just trying to remember now if out there um, I found that and thought, I'm getting me one of these when I get home just for that one fucking sound. <laughs> Yeah, I would not put it past me. That is the sort of thing that I used to do. But yeah, that is in the live room. So, and again, this is what, what I say, meaning Victoria were invisible when she was taking photographs because I've got, I didn't even know that she'd taken any of these. But yeah, that'll be, I don't know if it's, it'll have just been recording something, but it's it's a picture I liked anyway because my hair looks really cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just chucked some in to give, to give a little bit of roots to this conversation, do you know what I mean? We don't have to be mad too specific about it. But again, there's a nice one, uh, the, you know, number three. Um, those, the three lads at the back of the studio, yeah, you know, yeah. that looks like they haven't been there quite so long. The picture we looked at earlier is the, like, you know, the half 11 at night. You've been there since nine o'clock in the morning kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. When you're like, I don't give a shit how cool this thing is, man. I fucking want out. Do you know what I mean? I want to go to bed. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this one looks like starbucks is on the way <laughs> yeah oh well yeah man um yeah this uh, what you got a bit of a corona on go there looking nice and comfortable and that is what the back of every control room of a studio looks like just to give listeners a bit of um, context if you are looking at the pictures anyway you know you got rack mounted gear everywhere and then the big fucking ac unit and three fucking half cut musicians yeah there you go that's a studio <laughs> Um, Hopefully listening to songs they just created being like, yeah, that, that sounds amazing. Yeah, exactly. Well, the next one is me playing a rather fucking lovely guitar. And that, I tell you what, honestly, like, because one thing, the silver line, and when I talk about the dreading going out to America, making this record, having to spend all the time there, the one thing that I was really excited about was guitar-wise and like Brendan O'Brien. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. and uh, you know certainly at that time maybe it's still true now i had kind of like a subconscious things where like americans mix guitars bigger do you know what i mean it's just it's just a fucking thing man do a you know what i mean okay yeah yeah do you know what i mean They're more prominent more sort of i don't know and uh, you know well sort of one little reference if you listen to a manic street preachers the holy bible the original version and then listen to the american remaster version um it's quite interesting but anyway um the prospect of working with Brendan O'Brien from a guitar point of view and from my point of view, I, you know, absolutely salivating about. But, you know, this were, this were a time where, again, I took my Les Paul and a couple of other things. But, you know, Brendan O'Brien, the, the people he's worked with, the record is made and um, how long he's been in the game and the amount of guitars he's got. And he was just like, oh, what guitars he brought? And I'm like, oh, I brought these two. And he's like, oh, that's fine, man. But if you want some options, just follow me. And anyway, we walked oh, no. in. Oh, fucking hell. We walked into this rabbit warren of uh, tunnels that were just lined either side with guitars slotted in, in all in cases. Oh, wow. There was, fucking hell, there must have been hundreds. And we're not talking, you know, pieces of shit here. We're talking every, every single thing is like, oh, my God, it's like just a room full of Holy Grails. Do you know what I mean? And that was and mental. So what do you do? You, like, just randomly grab yeah, some? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, man, yeah. You just, I had the free run of the place. I mean, I didn't stray much from the Les Pauls, Les Pauls, because I, I love that sound. And no matter how many times I've tried, I don't mind using different guitars for textures and stuff, but usually like the main riff, the main thing, the amount of times that I've tried to use like a different guitar, like a Strat or a Tele, and granted I did on the first record, and I had a bit of a battle with Jim about it because I always wanted it to be a little bit different. But anyway, yeah, it, uh, I always gravitate to Les Pauls for actually, you know, so, but irrespective i mean there was acoustic all all kinds of stuff but yeah that was really that was a really exciting thing and that did not disappoint and one day actually as well because that's another thing talking about the guys themselves brendan's such a fucking cool dude honestly proper proper cool guy and um went out with him one day took me to a local vintage guitar shop and again you're just like oh my god did i spend money there i might have spent money there i can't remember 
I often got sucked into that sort of thing. But, you know, it was so much fun. This was the sort of guy that when I just referenced the basketball uh, hoop thing and I used to play out there, he'd rand- he randomly come out one day and stood at the door, stood in the mouth of the doorway to the studio and uh, and basically said, oh, pass it here. Um, 100, 100 bucks, I can get it in from here. And I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> so he just threw this ball, which went nowhere fucking near it and gave me 100 bucks. <laughs> oh, oh, hang on. I've just realised what he did there. Fucking hell. The night previously, we'd all sat down to play poker. Now, I'll make no secret of the fact I've got no idea about that sort of aspect of life. I can't get my head around none of it. I don't know how it works. So I might have lost $100 in the first hand at poker, and that was all the money that I had, and I might have sat down. I've just realised why he fucking did that. It you was the just day now after. realized it. He, he must have felt bad for me, man. Like the day afterwards, <laughs> the day afterwards he came out and he was just like, uh, get out under books if I can get that in. He fucking missed it. I thought, what a prick. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> in retrospect, it's like, oh, that's really kind. Thank you. Do you know what I mean? But I don't need to be, I don't need to be a recompense for my stupidity. It's a valuable lesson. I should not play poker. And I learned it that night. And I tell you what, I've never gambled like, well, other than that night and lost $100. Uh, it's just never something that's attracted me. And I'm pretty happy that that cemented it into the ground for me. That, you know what I mean? It's, I remember just going, right, okay, let's get into this poker thing then. Right. Oh, I've lost $100. Uh, that's my <laughs> evening fuck then. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll just go sit on that sofa and, uh, you know, well. Um, but yeah, that fucking hell, that's made me laugh that. Oh, it, 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 it were always $100 with Brendan. Everything were $100. Like, I dated to do that for $100. And one of them was Beaks and Feet, who was actually called Phil Martin. I called him Beaks and Feet because we used to play football, keepy-uppies, and we tried to get the American guys into keepy-uppies. And this one lad, Phil Martin, Phil Martin, I'm pretty sure his name was Phil Martin. But anyway, he's been known as Beaks and Feet from now on. But he, watching him play keepy-uppies was one of the funniest things I've ever fucking seen. And I'm one of them people, <laughs> right? I'm a bit like a Homer Simpson. When Homer Simpson sees that squirrel running around a tree doing something funny, he just can't help but giggle ridiculously. And I'm that person. If someone does something and he's not in a taking a piss way, don't get me wrong. I mean, this guy was avant-garde. It's the only way I can describe his movement, man. Do you know what I mean? It was fucking weird, but it resulted in much hilarity anyway. So he got known as Beaks and Feet because watching him try to keep a ball in the air, we're using his nose, his fucking elbows. God knows what else he was using, man. <laughs> But anyway, in the spirit of this conversation, one night after a Fat Mats, now I don't know if I, I think Fat Mats is actually a bigger thing than I realised at the time. It's like a barbecue um, a pork joint, you know, a pulp, you know, I don't know, but it's a, a chain, obviously. And um, we got that one night and the barbecue sauce there were just insane. So anyway, uh, Brendan was just like, right, $100 to anyone who downs this, all this. And it caused us a lot of like, no, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> No one needs a hundred bucks that much. Anyway, Phil Martin's like, I'll do it. All beaks and feet. Fly straight in there. All cocky and proud. He's like, oh yeah, give it here. And he was like, literally like, oh yeah, no thing this. And you know, I'm not talking when you, you know, when you go to a fish shop and you get like a mushy peas or a curry sauce, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about here, Pete, but fuck you anyway. And like you you get like a big one or a small one. I'm talking like almost a quarter bigger than the big one, like those big styrofoam cups of whatever you got. And this was like sickly, man, barbecue sauce. So anyway, the lad downed it, old Beaks and Feet. He downed the barbecue sauce and um, half an hour later came and um, he had to go home. And um, <laughs> he didn't come back to the studio for... I think about a week or something like that. It might have been a little bit less, but yeah, that that really cut him down in his prime, that big old um, cup of barbecue sauce. But, you know, he got his hundred bucks. He got his hundred bucks, didn't he? But I don't know if he got paid for the 10 days or however long he had to have off from the studio. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that just... was, maybe Brendan uses the hundred bucks to balance the world. Maybe that's just what Brendan does. He sees, he sees imbalances and thinks, yeah, man, I'm going to correct that with uh Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I just looked online to see Fat Mats and apparently it caught fire. I wonder if it was because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, let's he had have burned a look. down. Let's have a look at the next picture. I don't know if we'll get through all these. I don't know. Well, well the next one is just a great picture of Rob looking cool as fuck. What's he got? He's got himself a Corona and um, mm-hmm. he's got himself a microphone. And I don't know why, but I'm instantly thinking that we were recording literally the song Welcome to the North here. I don't know why I'm thinking that. It's kind of what I'm feeling though. Got them vibes. 
Is that how you recorded it? Like, um, I, I always imagine, like, so, like, he's, he's not wearing headphones. Well, he's it, it depends. Holding me. a beer. Yeah, is that, I mean, is it, that a possibility? It's a really, <laughs> com- a it's really complicated. This will probably be what we refer to as tracking. So, if you look at Rob here, if you, where his eyes are, he'll be looking into a bigger room, a much bigger room, and then off that room, there'll be little individual rooms or booths. You know, you call them vocal booths or guitar booths or whatever. The whatever they are when the instruments in there for fuck's sake. The drums in there is a drum booth. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, you have. And when you track the songs initially, it's more about trying to capture, well, it depends, but it can be about capturing just the drums, just the drums and bass. You capture everything, but then you kind of, certain aspects of it are just a guide while you're getting certain bits down. And then when sure. you you sit down individually, and well, certainly from guitars, and um can't remember whether Stu did with bass. Yeah, he did, man. Again, yeah. it's it, There's lots of different ways of, making a record and there are even more now but i just really like that picture um what can i say i like looking at pictures of rob when he's having fun yeah i like imagining the fact that he's so laid back recording an album that he's he's holding a corona and just you know chilling out and oh let me also belt out this welcome to the north yeah yeah (laughs) but then again you know like i'm sat here he'll have been i know for a fact because like i say spoke about it you know I, i don't think rob were going through the the best time then do you know what I mean? In yeah. terms of how he viewed himself, how he viewed the world, however you want to look at that. But yeah, the despite all that, we managed to A, make a great record and B, have, you know, we had a lot of fun. And I'm sure you can tell, like, in our relay, some of these stories. And one of my fondest was playing wiffle ball, actually. They got us into wiffle ball. Absolute right laugh, that. Just, just so much fun. And there was a little stream. There was a little stream right next to the studio. And it was a dank stream man it was an, it was rank do you know what I mean we refer to it as a yeah. beck where you're just like oh god uh, you know one of them one of them streams where you, you, you think about oh imagine falling in there face first Ugh. and you shudder so oh, fucking hell I'm going to piss myself thinking about this so like we're playing wiffle ball and this, the ball went in the stream and there was this log quite a big log that was going over the stream you know that you could if you were brave enough walk across or however you wanted oh. to do it but anyway Nick Didier, bless him, uh, and he he call he coined it bumpist actually, which is not, it's a it's a horrible term. Granted, it's a horrible term, but it's a term that has stuck with me ever since he said, "Don't fall in that bumpist," because that's really what it looked like. Do you know what I mean? This sort of water was fucking horrific. And anyway, no. I was looking at this log and looking at how moist it was and how much moss were on it and that, and I was just like, "You are gonna fall off that log, man." And he's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna walk on it. I'm gonna sort of crawl out on it." And I was like, "All what? right." Okay. And anyway, there's all of us gathered round anyway and fucking hell. And he's shimmying out along this big log, like I say, and um, straddling this log. And obviously, anyone can see what's coming here. As he reaches down to get said wiffle ball... Is yeah exactly man he fucking spins round but it was just the not it was just the noise he made as well and the fact that he said he was saying i'm safe i'm safe i'm safe and then he just went no i'm not and span round and just fell in this most horrific shit oh my god and it was i mean we were stood far enough anyway but it was kind of like it was weird it was almost like you know when you're a kid and one of your mates does something bad and you think i am out of here man i am asking no questions <laughs> i am turning and i am gone i am a cloud of dust it was like the, the the water he had fallen into was so horrific i can only come to the conclusion that everyone kind of foresaw the fact that uh, or could foresee the fact that he's going to crawl out of this stream and come towards them with this water all over him <laughs> So me for one, I you know, like I say, I preempted that. I got the fuck out of Dodge, man. Do you know what I mean? I I kind of got well back and ended up crying, as you can imagine, because it was the fun. It would up there with one of the funniest things I've ever seen in terms of his reaction as well. On the look, I caught his eyes, man. I caught that look in his eyes as he started <laughs> sliding under that look. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when the reality set in that this was a bad idea <laughs> yeah man honestly and you know, i think I, I can't it was like the same day there were we were outside playing with a ball again and phil had put the stereo outside and they were blasting out um i think it, yeah dr dre snoop dog i think it was the chronic were it can't remember which record it might have been one of these compilations nice. that they did of all um them tunes but yeah very soon after we put that on like i can't remember if it was nick or billy or someone came running out like man you can't fucking put that shit on like outside round here and we're like why not? Like, yeah. Kind of got swearing and shit on it. Do you know what I mean? And people aren't going to re- respond well to that round here. It was like, oh, hmm. okay. 
I think it's a deeply religious area, isn't it? You know what I mean? I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I have no sort of context on that sort of thing, but it's not. It, it is the whole South has a whole Bible Belt. Yeah, there's different areas, but ATLs like its pockets. You know, yeah, I mean, you could be in a very conservative area, you can be in a very rich, high end area, or you could be in yeah. an area where you're going to get mugged and killed. Well, that's kind of the vibe I got. <laughs> it's all pretty. And close. without being, it's sort of certainly not intentionally disrespectfully. Uh, I'd thought that kind of music would sit well in that environment. Do you know what I mean? Sort of fucking Dre and that sort of stuff. I wouldn't imagine going to the hood and getting shit for putting Dr. Dre on. Do you know what I mean? That seems somewhat incongruous to me to find yourself in Compton or somewhere like the like and putting on Dre. I suppose it's a bad example because someone someone might think you're being ironic. But anyway, like, do you know what I mean? I just, I, I wouldn't imagine you would get shit for that. But anyway, yeah. Um, a great guy, Nick Dedea, who did fall in the bum piss. R.I.P. Nick Dedea's um, bum piss free life because that shit caught everywhere, man. It fucking in his ear. Oh my God, I can't mm-hmm. even think about it anymore. But yeah, where the hell has this conversation gone? It has gone on to the next photograph, which is me playing a rather interesting, I don't even know if that's, I don't even know what the fuck that is. I wanted to say it's a mandolin, but there's far too many strings on that for a mandolin. It's almost like a 12 string mandolin. Um, but again, it's like, this, it's like two feet long. It's not. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really high pitched strings. This? But this is another thing that I loved is going into other people's collections of weird and wonderful stringed instruments or anything that made a noise, man. I was just all over. And that's the sort of thing that I just picked up and carried on playing until I got some out of it. And I'm just trying to remember now specifically guide. That's definitely on guide. Um, oh, I, think, really? I think that's on quite a lot of tracks as a texture. You know, I sat there for fucking days, man, days and days doing different takes of different textures with guitars and keyboards and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Coming up with different sounds, different riffs and layering them up. It's absolutely in my element with that stuff massively. Um, and that's as I say, it's a cool picture though. Yeah, but I really like that picture and it's, I'm smiling. It looks like I've got a smile on my face, which it's weird because thinking back, I don't remember smiling that much and it was funny actually watching our <laughs> video from making the first album and like, I just fucking look so serious all the time. And it's weird seeing that to me because I kind of don't feel like that now at, at all. I mean, I am serious about shit, don't get me wrong, but I just think in a fundamental nutshell, I don't take either A, myself that seriously anymore and I don't, I don't think i take life that seriously anymore in general to be honest um so yeah um yeah have you ever thought maybe it's something about like because i I've, I've always noticed you as uh somebody who's pretty pretty dependable and like faithful to people that that if you've if you've committed to something you're going to do it so mm-hmm. have you ever thought like maybe there was like this pressure that because they signed you up for this album the first album that you had to do it for the people that were involved or is well, maybe that was pressure I don't, I'm, I'm just guessing oh god man yeah of course jesus yeah of course it was man but it's not just it's not just about fulfilling your contract do you know what i mean like look i'm sure record companies are well versed in deadlines not being met and the happy mondays taking all the recording budget and fucking off to ibiza and spending it on God knows what. Do you know what I mean? These are the sort of things that record companies are used to. Um, of course, yeah, man. Pressure. Um, yeah. Fucking hell. Too right. Um, I yeah, think- it's not like the typical rock star thing of like, we don't care. We're just playing music. You, you always struck me as the kind of guy that's like, look, we need to be responsible and get this done. Well, I mean, it's not... <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I guess I was always that guy. And that reminds me of a funny story, actually. In Scotland, I uh, can't remember exactly the venue. I can remember the venue. I can see it all. I can see where we were, but I can't remember the name of the venue. But anyway, we were playing football, and there were like a, 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 a load of hedge row. And then there was, um, you know, a, a garden at the other side of this hedge. And Phil was like, oh, let's go play. Let's go play in that field. I was like, oh, that's not a field. That's someone's garden. And they were like, no, no, it's a field. They're like, it's not, it's someone's garden. Let's not go in there. <laughs> Everyone went in there anyway and a Land Rover screeched up and he was like, get out in the garden. And I'm like, see, I told you it was a garden. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was always that one out of us four, I suppose. But I mean, you say sort of, I don't know, you use the word responsible. I mean, this was fucking what I, certainly what I was fucking born to do, man. Do you know what I mean? And that's how it always felt. It's how it felt then. Um, I mean... I think there was, because we hadn't made the record yet, I mean, I, you know, I'm stepping back into the mentality I had before we went and made it, but because we hadn't actually made it yet, it was, there was still, you know, I don't, there was a lot of pressure, but I think we were still, we still had it together in that sense, in, in being able to create stuff. And with probably most musicians, I think all the negative stuff kind of affected everything else. Do you mm. know what I mean? That was, I think that was kind of the one thing that we were able to do. 
we weren't able to function as a group of four adults or four, you know, young adults or however you want to look at it. I know I wasn't functioning off the scene, if you want to talk about it like that. I can't speak for anyone else. But so the one thing that I knew damn well exactly what I were doing with um, was making the tunes, man. Mm, Do you know yeah. what I mean? That That's why it's ultimately such a double-edged thing. Um, and yeah, I, to be honest, I think one thing that was in the back of my mind was the fact that I knew we didn't want to make the first album again. So I knew it was going to be, um, you know, more guitar heavy and I'd, you know we had got scraps of ideas and we'd been spending a lot of time in America you know with Jane's Addiction and other bands like that listening to that sort of stuff as well so that did rub, rub off on us but yeah you know I've not shied away from the fact that of course um, there was a lot of pressure making that record but I think like I say ultimately it was more of a human cost than the actual to the detriment of the record right sure you know that uh, I have to be careful when I talk about the second record because, as I've explained, I have two different, very different sets of memories of it. I have the memories <laughs> of loving making it and loving the record, and I have the memories of being in the place I was mentally at the time of making it, which was not great. And I, I know I keep saying it, but I think Rob was in a similar place. So, yeah, the, the, the two sort of, you know, the fundamental creative cogs in terms of getting the song ups, the songs going, you know, were sort of misfiring. But, you know, like, does pressure create great shit? Because lo and behold we're sat there without enough songs and I, I vividly remember it and i know again it's a story i've told but i vividly remember sort of all sitting around and brendan going we need we need another song do you know what i mean we need one we can't there's no other uh choice so it like i say, we both went outside and fucking wrote open your mind so regardless of whatever we're going on personally and the sort of hell of being there for nine or ten or even eleven weeks were it um, you know, s- stuff like that still came out of it and an amazing record came out of it. And I don't know, it was just full of a lot of weird hope and false promise that period. You know, I remember the the the, um, the executive of Capital Records coming and listening to it and, you know, the whole spiel of turning around and going, you know, you guys need to start looking at real estate in LA and all this stuff because you're going <laughs> to fucking make a fortune and all this sort of stuff. And that I think that in a nutshell is... Oh, well, I think that in a nutshell is my problem with people in general. I don't like being fed bullshit. And unfortunately, I've, in my life, I've had, not what, I wouldn't describe me as gullible, but I've always had a natural inclination to want to trust people and to just, because I always speak the truth and the, what's real, I kind of expect the same from everyone else. And then there's that horrible moment where it dawns on you that quite a lot of people are full of shit. Do you know what I mean? I don't know, man. I probably would have told you the same thing about this album if I heard it in the studio because I listen to it all the time and I love it. And it is this album by far. I'm not. Well, I hate saying one is the best album, but there's no way this is not in contention for the best album yeah. that you guys have no, made. Like, I get they're all good, saying. but like this album stands on its own. And I, if I heard this and I was watching you guys record it, I probably would have said a very similar thing. I was like, oh, this is going to be right up there. Yeah, with, I guess know, so. Rage Against the Machine or something to that level. I guess so. But, you know, ultimately, you were the boss of the label. So if he had that mentality regarding us, he'd be the one that would be like, you know, when the reports come in and say, look, you know, we've kind of put that amount in and we've sold this many, He'd be the one going, no, fuck that, man. These guys are amazing. You know what I mean? These guys are going to make it. They need that push. They need that belief. Just when they don't quite say, oh, oh, what's that? They sold fuck all. Get rid. Go on. Off you go. (laughs) You're like, hang on. You're that guy that were like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing. It's like, you are. Anyway, everyone gets to that point. I guess it's when you get to that point as well, when you realize that your mum and dad aren't necessarily the masters of all knowledge. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you're you're a little kid, you're like, man, my fucking mum and dad know everything about everything. And then you go, oh, oh, no, they don't. (laughs) Not in a bad way. Do you know what I mean? You do that yourself, don't you? Everybody comes to that moment, yeah. Yeah, when you're fucking eight years old, you're like, damn, I've really arrived, man. I know shit. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Then you're 12, you're like, oh, God, my eight-year-old self. How stupid was he? You know? <laughs> and then you're 28. Now and you're like, I understand it. <laughs> oh Christ, man! Um, where hey, a couple of it? questions on on the songs though. Like when you guys were in the studio, and like, did you start from scratch? You had nothing from Welcome to the North, and you went to Atlanta, and you were like, okay, let's come up. No, with we we had we had quite a lot of bits. Um, it, it might have been. It was similar to the first out. It was. I mean, and again, ultimately, as much as I bitch about not having enough time to write, look what we came up with. Do you know what I mean? And none of it was really too forced. But, Pete, I'll preface that with saying that in actual fact, a lot of the stuff that formed that second record, a lot of the kind of 
the bricks and mortar of it will have existed from the end of making the first one. To a degree. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Certainly from my perspective, little riffs that I'd had since then. And do you know what I mean? So you have to give that as context to, to us getting these ideas together as quickly as we did. But again, yeah, I mean, it was a case of having sort of, for the majority of things, we'd have a really solid verse and a really solid, solid, solid chorus idea. And we sat down with Brendan and much like we did with Jim, you sit down really quietly with a muted guitar and Rob, we know Mike, and you sort of play through the song and fill a drum really gently and you literally talk about the song you literally like okay <laughs> phil you keep playing that and then go to that chorus again all right and then stop and then play this do you know what i mean or play that thing you played earlier or and that'll be brendan sat there going right now try it like that and it, it, it does work you sit there and you go oh shit man yeah that works mm-hmm. like, i remember that vividly with the people with jim that moment where you're like you know because as jim explained sitting down and cutting our ideas up felt very alien to us especially phil phil was always very against that um hence the scissors comment <laughs> um yeah. so but it's that moment where you're like oh shit man it, it works do you know what i mean if you, it's, you you kind of deconstruct the idea and then think about how it would work best in a club like jim was saying um and even sort of playing the song really gently at a, at a volume where you can talk over it well let's face it if it's that audible then you know, in my money anyway, it's not an enjoyable volume. I like it loud. But the point being anyway, that you, you craft the song and at the end of it, you're like, shit, man, that sounds great. And we did that with Bleed. Okay. I think we Bleed, we just kind of had the verse, the verse and the chorus. I don't think even think we had the Burn Burn bit. I think we got that out there. There were a couple of them that we really put together out there. Kind of a bit like Karma, you know, and, and like open your mind, like I say, where you're just like, right, this is the song, let's record it. You know, mm. a song doesn't necessarily have to exist for any time before it's recorded. Like Karma, it's a perfect example. That didn't exist before we went in the studio and thought, shit, we need another idea. Well, let's make some up on the spot. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you press record when it happens, then it can existed, It can have existed for as anyone wants to, as long as anyone wants to imagine it has. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, I've had a gin, so I'm slurring my words. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's in this pink tin, by the way, Pete. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Your assortment of girly drinks really uh, keeps me entertained. Oh, yeah. That's what it's all about, man. <laughs> I ain't got no proclivities regarding girly drinks. It's fine. But, I'm gonna bring um, you some bourbon when I come when I come from the states. Yeah, I know I mean, they don't have that over there. Are we gonna get? <laughs> are we gonna get through all these? I'm not sure. I'm just gonna. Well, one more question about the about the list. So you guys talked about when in the first album you used new instrumental. I think it was Rob that pointed out the reason when you guys called it new instrumental was because the original instrumental was uh, the walls get smaller. Yeah. Uh, and so, but the first album the hidden track is new instrumental and then the second album's hidden track is the walls get smaller so why did that happen on the second and not the first that's a fascinating question that one mate and i don't know is it because <laughs> maybe it's because walls was um a b-side to the fierce panda long road so it kind of already been out there in a in in, mm. in kind of a guise maybe it's a good question, that. I'm not really sure why we didn't have Walls on the first album, unless, like I say, it's because it had follow it had been on that EP. But, I mean, that was a small EP. It's not like everyone got hold of that. But, yeah, that's not a question I can answer right now, that one. I can't, I can't remember. Um, All right. That would probably be the only logical reason I could think of. So, yeah, I mean, what other pictures have we got? We've got Phil relaxing with a laptop, which, again, that's upstairs in Southern Tracks, is that? That's upstairs in the lounge, in the chill-out room. And obviously a hell of a lot of that went on. In fact, did I did I buy in fact I think I might have bought um did I buy my first laptop out there on that trip? I definitely bought a laptop on this trip. I remember. I remember going to Apple now in Atlanta. Yeah, a lot of memories. <laughs> Waste mad. I must have deliberately shielded myself from a lot of these, but anyway. I really like the one with you playing the guitar with the building in the background at night. I I, it, I imagine that this is like I know it's probably not, but I imagine like this is like that moment when you're like, we need another song, and then you write. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all in your mind. It's a lampshade, that mate. I think, but fair enough. It does look like a building, doesn't it? it looks like a lampshade massive building. That, yeah. Oh, that looks like a massive building. It, looks it does, like you're in doesn't a it? Lot. It looks really cool. It looks almost look like a fo- looks like a Photoshop thing. Like I'm playing on the street, doesn't it? Like I'm playing yeah, on a basketball court with some floodlights, and there's some <laughs> high rises behind. No, and that's just a lampshade in the corner of the studio. Oh, that's trippy. But um, what am I playing there? Let's have a look. Guide. I'm playing guide there. I'll be tracking guide. And yeah, if the camera was like a little bit to the right, you'd see all the um, the desk and everything. So I'll be playing. Oh, okay. I'll be playing live there. So yeah, there's the one with me and the skyscraper, which is a lampshade in the background. Um, 
this is a nice one, us four all looking down at the camera. And I put a yeah. lot of these on Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook, I think, quite a while ago now. Certainly a good three or four months, I think. But yeah, so a lot of these are already out there. But this is where the studio was. So that building was literally the next building next to the studio. Um, it was all, I think it was a government building. I think, it, you know, it was, I'm sure I was smoking something around there and someone said, this is a government building. And I was like, oh, is it? <laughs> nice one. Soon a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very possibly. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a great picture of us. That's that, a great shot. Yeah, it's yeah, an album cover type shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone looking so relaxed. Yeah. Good times, man. Um, we got Rob playing. Uh, oh, what do you call them? Is it casting? That's not casting it. What is that? The shit. The the it, percussion. Got a of anyway, going on. we. Had, yeah. I mean, this was another thing we used to do. We used to have mass percussion sessions, which used to end up with just Stu on his own because we'd all be like trying to do percussion and it'd be like out of time because Stu is like, I probably said it before, he's like a human metronome is Stu. Yeah. So whenever we needed like tambourine doing Stu would just be in there, never miss a beat. You're just like, fucking hell, it sounds like he's automated for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? Because tambourine's a very difficult thing to do right, put the accent really in the right place and still sort of play with some element of personality. I know that sounds weird, yeah. play a tambourine with personality, but trust me, you can. Stu can. Stu can. But yeah, another just a lovely picture of Rob. Doesn't he look sweet there? Bless him. <laughs> he looks very happy. He does, yeah, he does. He does look like Finn Wolfhard there. It is true. It is true. He looks like a, uh, looks a little bit like Finn Wolfhard, if that's his name. You're not allowed from Stranger Things. Oh, and last, mm. lastly, we have got like some, I mean, Stu could be in Deep Purple there or something, couldn't he? That could be a <laughs> member of fucking Deep Purple or, you know, just sat there with, um, what? Oh, that's a bit of pass. It's not a cigarette. Playing smoke over water. Yeah, that's not a cigarette. But yeah, just um, like I said, just great memories. Um, great memories. Just Stu sat with a bifter, playing a track, getting. What more do you need? Eh? What more do you need as your final <laughs> photograph on a podcast? Get in, as yeah. they say, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's just a little handful. I think I put more on Twitter and um, let's see, I actually put the tea in there. Bless me. Um, but um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot more of Max. I think there's like... 60 in that folder of pictures that Victoria took and just some great pictures man and again it's the sort of time that you're glad that someone was there taking them pictures I guess um yeah absolutely and, uh well it's actually Rob who sent them through recently and it was like just you know in case anyone's interested I've got these and it's like yeah man fucking hell look at you know what I mean it's instantly having access to to memories that you know for whatever reason aren't necessarily as accessible as others but yeah, I'll, yeah. there's actually a video, um, and I'll leave a link to it on the show notes of the page, but there's actually a video of when you guys were in Southern Tracks, and it, it there's live footage of you guys recording and talking. It's like B-roll while, while somebody's that? interviewing you guys. Yeah, and they're saying stuff like, uh, and, you know, there was a part where you were saying like, oh, you know, we've been here, we're going to be here for this many weeks, and I could just, you can almost read through the, <laughs> you can almost tell like you guys were not overly happy about being there for so long, but oh, but uh, really? it, was an inter- it was an interesting thing where you guys were talking about recording this second album and what yeah. it was going to be like and then um but then the b-roll like the footage of them of you guys were playing different songs like there was a time when uh rob was on the piano and and singing a different song that i don't recognize and i was like oh, i wonder what I wonder whatever happened with, with these ideas that they were working on in, in this video that obviously didn't show up on the second album but uh interesting video I'll, again i'll leave it on the on the show notes page yeah well i'll have to check that out that sounds interesting um unless they cut to some stock footage i'll have to look at that man because no, it shows Southern tracks and everything. Right. Okay. That's interesting that I don't remember it and I'd be fascinated to know what little snippets it's got of, of us playing live. Um, but yeah, that's interesting if you say you can actually sort of read between the lines and tell that we're not massively happy about it. it was, it's always <laughs> a difficult thing to say, man. It's like, yeah, we're excited we're making a record, but we thought we were making it at home. Because that did we, I mean, what's that? I think... Well, we actually, at one stage, I think we might have been considering doing it in Soundworks, I think, which would have just been a dream for me. Do you know what I mean? Because it just meant we could have gone home every night and, you know, I just wanted to be with, <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to be with my girlfriend all the time, all that time. And again, I'm sure a lot of lads listening to this will be like, oh my God, you get handed that opportunity and that's how you feel. <laughs> it's like, well, fucking hell, sue me. Do you know what I mean? What can I say? That's all I ever wanted to be. We're fucking with my girlfriend and not at the other side of the world on a plane or going to play to God knows how many thousand people, even though that's an absolute fucking privilege, which you should never turn your nose up at. But I don't know. I'm one of them guys. I, well, I'm, my personality is when I eventually get to that 
thing that I'm really longing for. You're just like, oh, is that what I was really longing for? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Maybe I'm just lost in general and need to fucking get a grip of summit. But anyway, yeah, um, I don't want to waffle on too long because I think I, I can't. I think this is going to be quite a long episode, is it, Pete? Yeah, we're but over. That's, I mean, that's all right. I think it's all been relevant. Other than, um, so, yeah, I'll leave it there. Um, I hope you found this interesting. I found it enjoyable, certainly. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it's not great. To, and I could have told a lot more stories, really, negative stuff, but I don't want to dwell on that too much. I just thought it were, well, important, important from my point of view, anyway, to kind of give people the context of, what yeah. life's really like uh, in a band and having to make a record where your first one were really successful and being somewhere you're not entirely comfortable being and, you know, the things that uh, happen under those circumstances. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this is good, though, because it's like a layer about the second album. You know, we, we talked to other people about the second album before in different ways. This is yet another layer on that to, to provide a different, you know, set of context. I mean, what's coming next? You guys are going to be doing the Twitter listening party for the second album. So yeah. I'm sure there'll be some context that'll be added, another layer, if you will, to yeah, the second yeah, album experience. Yeah. Then hopefully, you know, the lads will come back on for the second album after the Twitter party. And then we can talk about that eventually and, and, and go through the songs like we did with the first album. Uh, so yeah. an, again, another layer to this. And so I think they're all interesting you know talking about the fact that this wasn't about you know all you know fun and games for you i think is interesting and it's interesting to find out what was going on in your life during that time so yeah i i found it to be a pretty interesting conversation well good stuff man i know you always enjoy it and that's what you know to a certain degree that's what keeps these podcasts going man because uh, you're always up for talking about this sort of stuff so i know i've said it a lot but you know i'll say it again i've got my gin in my hand and i raise my kind of pink gin to you pete and uh, <laughs> your efforts and um you know, just just you in general, my friend. But yeah, on that gin soak note, uh, I'm going to stop recording now. So yeah, thank you very much uh, to everyone who's still listening to these on episode 37. We'll keep going, man. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, we enjoy it. But yeah, um, thank you for listening. And I hope you like the pictures. And if you can't see them, um, uh, tough. I don't know. <laughs> thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>